Welcome to the On Stage with Wellness podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Gina. We are performers turned certified health coaches who help artists reclaim their power and take intentional action in their life. Are you a performer who is tired of feeling burnt out, not good enough, and like you don't have control over your career? Get ready to feel energized, confident, and fully in charge of you on and off the stage. Tune in each week to get holistic lifestyle and nutrition tips for a sustainable career as a performer, our own inspirational stories and experiences, as well as our guests, and practical tools to handle rejection, competition, and perfectionism in the industry. And now, on with the show. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to the On Stage with Wellness podcast. Hello, hello. Hi. Um, (laughs) Here, we have a very special guest, um, someone that... I work with at Lululemon, and we are so stoked that she is here with us today. Uh, we are. Yeah, we are. We have Abby Cash. She is a, a dance performance graduate of the University of Central Oklahoma. She began her career in Oklahoma in regional theater, but quickly began to take the stage across the world. Abby has circled the globe performing in one of the world's most luxurious cruise lines, Regent Seven Seas. Upon returning to the land, (laughs) or returning to land, excuse me, not the land. The land. (laughs) The land. Abby has found joy in performing at Disney's Festival of the Lion King, the Main Street Trolley Show, and the Festival of Fantasy Parade, as well as Universal's Superstar Parade and SeaWorld Sesame Street Party Parade. Welcome, Abby Cash. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Good. I love hearing the bios because it's just like, I, it just excites me. Yes, I know. It makes me sound way cooler than I am. (laughs) Not often do we get to have our bios read um, in our presence. So it's nice to be able to have that sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, this is Danny's first time meeting um, Abby and I've been with Abby quite a bit of time. So. It'll be exciting for you to hear all about Abby's journey uh, because you guys are both dancers, dancers at heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. I was so excited to kind of read through, you know, a little bit about you. And um, I, I, I mean, I feel like I have so many questions really, but (laughs) um, (laughs) but but we'll just start with like the beginning. Um, (laughs) What, so you grew up in Oklahoma, you went to school in Oklahoma. What, um, what was that like? Like what were the theater opportunities in Oklahoma and how, and then what brought you to then seek opportunities elsewhere? Um, I actually grew up in East Texas before I, um, moved to Oklahoma for school. Um, I grew up in a very, very rural country area. So in my actual town, there was only one dance studio, um, kind of your like run of the mill. She took dance when she was little, became a dance teacher. Uh, yeah. So on and so forth. Um, so I actually had to drive about 45 minutes every week to be able to like um, dance on a competitive team. And there was like 14, like our town was very small and there were still like 14 studios. So it was like, wow. there was a lot of like, um, how do I say this <laughs> nicely? <laughs> there was a, there were a dime a dozen um, dance studios, so it was about trying to get the best that you could from each one. For me, um, there wasn't a lot of additional performing opportunities outside of competitive dance. Uh, we did have like the Nutcracker every year, but I was never a ballerina, so that didn't really interest me. Um, <laughs> I just really wanted to go 
to school elsewhere and like seek out other perspectives in life and in dance. And I chose Oklahoma because many programs are very modern centered. And the school that I started at in Oklahoma City was very like um, musical theater and jazz based. Like it had a very strong ballet program, but it was more like with the like idea in mind that you were going to be performing professionally and not everybody was going to be in a modern company. Um, I did end up transferring to a school because I did want to pursue modern, which is hilarious. Amazing. I was going to ask, uh, what is your, what do you feel like is your style of, of expertise or the style that you love the most? Jazz. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. It is my heart and soul and I was never really great at hip hop, but I still like really loved it. But like I could take the energy from hip hop and put it into jazz and still have like that technical aspect. And it was just everything to me. What do you love about jazz? Um, I love that it comes from so many different places, from, from so many different people. Like the heritage of jazz dance is so incredibly strong and it's so clear. We, we have like, a very clear lineage of like, this is where this came from. And like, this is where this style came from. And being able to like go back and see that is a really great reference, I think, for dancers to, to kind of like be able to refresh of like, no, this is actually what Fosse is supposed to be. We have actual footage to know like what we are striving for. And like, we can still add in our own influence, but like to be very clear on what the core of that is actually dance in a jazz company now and our director is very um very conscious and mindful of keeping that present and at the forefront of like where we came from to know where we're going and um the show that they did right before I joined was called Legends and each dance was one of the jazz greats and it was in the style of of the greats and that's that show really made me want to be a part of it because like it was just carrying on this beautiful legacy that I think is, is not always possible with dance because of so much mixing and taking from different places. Mm, I love that. Yeah. You and, uh, you and Danny both love modern. So. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That was my like focus in college and then what I pursued later. That's awesome. I do also like jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. So what made you go from just knowing about um, reading your bio, obviously, um, what made you go from ships to go back on land? Like what drove that decision? Um, A lot of it had to do with my um, husband. I am married and I wanted to be close to him. I wanted to be able to come home to the same place every day. Um, That was a big part of it. Um, Really just that I wanted to perform at the parks. It had always been something that I dreamed about doing. And when you're an adult and you're not teaching kids, you don't really have interactions with children in like, unless you have like kids in your family. And I, I think that that was something that I really missed and being able to perform at the parks really gives me that opportunity to like impact young people in a different way than you would in other jobs that aren't directly related to kids. So that's definitely a big, a big heartstring puller for me. 
<laughs> That's so funny. I didn't think you were actually going to say that, but it makes sense because the cruise line that you were on was mostly adults. Yeah. Yes. I think I was on for eight months almost. And I think there was maybe three children the entire time because most of our clientele was like 50 and up. Um, so it was very rare that we had any kids on board. When we did, we like huddled around them at all times. So. <laughs> oh, I still follow one on Instagram. She's like, oh, stop. Now. <laughs> you're like, be my friend. <laughs> oh, so you That's have how a, we felt about service list. dogs. <laughs> we were like, oh my God, there's service dogs. Or like, oh my God, there's like the bomb smelling dogs. Like we wanted to touch yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Because you weren't around dog. That's so crazy. Yeah. I literally petted every single animal that I saw at every port. Like we would like stop yes. whatever we were doing to go see this animal. Yes. A hundred percent. What, um, sorry, dance, but, um, what did, what were like the pros and cons of working on cruise ships? Um, this is something that we, like, I mean, I could talk about forever. Um, I want to hear, but yeah, I'd love to like get your perspective. We've had so many conversations, but, um, but I'd love to know, like, What's your number wow. one? Number one, uh? number one pro is the travel. Um, mm. I think it's so so important for people, especially young people, to travel. And being on a cruise ship gives you the unique opportunity not only to travel the world, but you have to live with people of a different culture and different background. Um, yeah. And you really learn to understand other people's like behaviors and traditions, um, which I think is super important. Also like the food, you learn so much about people from like the food that you eat from them. That is like, that was one of my number one things was just like eating in every single port. I wanted to eat what they ate there. And like, yes. it's just yeah. like so life enriching. Mm, I totally agree. And I, 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 have thought that all my traveling experiences have been so important. I feel like I've grown so much from any time I've, you know, ventured out of the United States. You, you, you just feel like you learn something every time. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think that I could probably like talk forever on um, positives. Um, financially, it was an extreme gain for me to be able to, um, I paid off all of my student loans in one contract. I've wow. only done one contract. That's amazing. Um, part, like part of it was because like I was able to save beforehand, but not only did I pay off all of my student loans, but I never said no to any of the things that I wanted to do on the cruise. Like I, bun I didn't bungee jump. I skydived. I would never bungee jump. Please don't bungee jump people. <laughs> oh my God. Terrifying. <laughs> Are there horror stories? I, went, I don't want to know. I'm not going to go. But. Yeah, don't do it. Um, <laughs> I, like, I just, I did all of the, like, big ticket items that I wanted to do because I didn't know if I would ever get that opportunity again, and I was still able to do all of the things that I wanted to do and still save money, which is so important. I think it's a great way to start your career. So good. Okay, so what were the cons? That is so hard. <laughs> uh, I just really? I little... have so many. <laughs> I loved it so much. Um, I think it's really hard to 
be an active part of other people's worlds while you are gone. Um, people really don't want to tell you about their life when you're out exploring the world because it sounds very mundane to them, but they don't realize that you miss that. Like you miss what your best friend's niece did for her third birthday. I mean, I would always care about that, but like <laughs> I really cared about what was going on in other people's lives while I was gone. So it was really hard for me to stay connected to friends and family. Um, it's hard to take care of yourself in the same way, especially mentally. Like once you kind of start to get on a downward spiral, it's very hard to like keep yourself in check because you are depending on like what your contract or itinerary is. I had more sea days than I had port days. So I was spending a lot of time in my cabin. Our ship was very, very small. So it would just like, you would just feel like you were in a tin can floating in the middle of nowhere and that you were never going to get off. And like, there would be times where I would just like sit on the deck for hours and hours and hours because I just couldn't be in my room anymore. Um, which was like hard, but I also like gained a really good understanding of like the things that I need to do to manage my own anxiety. Um, yeah, that was really tough. Also, depending on what ship you're on, again, like mine was very small. We were going to very remote places, so we couldn't always get a lot of fresh produce. So there's a lot of things that will happen to your body when you're not eating fresh vegetables. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Um, yeah. how, much, like, how much TMI am I allowed to go into? I mean, can you I can say you? whatever the hell you, can, you want. Yeah. Okay, this is my wonderful horror story. We were at sea. Oh, I can't for, wait. Um, it was like around Christmas, and we were we had done like one trip to Hawaii, back to LA. We're going back to Hawaii again, right around Christmas time. I hadn't had enough. Like, I don't know why we didn't have enough like vegetables or like whatever that were different. We were having a lot of the like same frozen stuff all the time. I got so constipated that I didn't go to the bathroom for 10 days. And <gasps> I was so nauseated for oh 10 days God. that I couldn't do any of my duties. And I had to cancel <laughs> duty. my, <laughs> nah, I, I couldn't do my duty. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, my dance partner and I had to cancel our two, like our duet for the Christmas show because I was too nauseated to perform. And I had to tell my cruise director <laughs> why I couldn't perform. And I was like, I just haven't pooped in 10 days and I'm so sick. I just can't do this. <laughs> oh my like, God. First of all, he thought that it was like because of my period. So he was like very concerned. He was like, I don't know how to handle He's like, it. I don't, was, I don't know. Just don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> He was really sweet. That. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, go back to your cabin. Just go. Just go. Don't worry about it. Just go. <laughs> I've definitely had to leave a rehearsal because I needed to poop. So I feel that. <laughs> yeah. It hurts, like dude. It hurts. <laughs> oh, that's uncomfortable. Oh my God. Yeah. That was probably like my like biggest con, I guess. Um which like is really not that bad. I, I just truly like loved my experience. It is really tough. You do lose your technique while you were on the ship if you're not able to mm. um, have space to perform. A lot of the bigger ships you will, but it's also really hard to practice your technique when you're moving. 
like trying to balance like practice balances when you're like unstable is just like the literal most frustrating thing in the world because it doesn't matter if you're on your center if the ship isn't on its center you're not gonna hold it so oh, the man. ultimate it's like the ultimate core exercise yeah for sure oh, God. wow I have one thing to say before Danny asked the next question but I totally get what you mean with like not keeping up with people and like wanting to hear about the mundane things and people not wanting to tell you about their life like that mm-hmm. was what I missed the most is just like it's so funny, like that, how people want what they don't have all the time. Like I wanted a normal life and they wanted my mm-hmm. life. So yeah. I totally resonate with that. Yeah. It's just like hard to, oh, oh no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. <laughs> I, um, it was just for my relationship was incredibly hard. At one point we were 18 hours difference wow. and like, he was working really, really hard at that point. So it was very hard for him to stay up late or get up or even earlier to be able to talk to me. And like, I'm a very like one, my number one love language is physical touch. I would say like my number two is receiving and giving gifts. And I couldn't do either of those things. Um, that was really hard. I spent probably like the upwards of like 75 to a hundred dollars on a valentine's day gift basket of snacks like not not like nothing nice i was just like i just want you to know that i love you here's some hot cheetos that i paid way too much for for like someone on care.com to get you oh <laughs> oh my god i it's totally the, get that <laughs> it's the thought yeah for sure <laughs> 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 the uh, crazy gift. No, I love that. That's amazing. Um, you said that um, it's really hard to take care of yourself. Did you notice that from a lot of other performers too? Like what were other people doing and not doing? Um, I think a lot of people would just like once you start to get in that like depressive state, you don't necessarily want to be around other people when like you should be around other people um that people just spend like copious amounts of time in their cabins like reading or just like watching whatever netflix show or like whatever for just like hours and hours on end that you like we would have to like go get people and be like hey it's like it's time to come out like we have an intervention yeah, like we're gonna go play cards, and like you don't have to play, but you need to sit here with us while we do. Like, you gotta be a part because it just gets it gets really tough. Um, I did a lot of coloring, mm. so much coloring. Also needlepoint, but that was like provided to us, um, just to like be busy and have something to do. Depending on like what cruise line you're on, you may not have any duties other than your shows, so you're just like. Yeah. in your room or like honestly that's why somewhere. I studied yeah but like my I didn't have good wi-fi like even if I paid for the wi-fi it was still absolutely terrible mm. so like I couldn't even really do that because like it would just cut out and I would be spending money on absolutely nothing so mm-hmm. that was like tough to not have access to more things to do you don't often have enough space to like bring activities with you. Mm. So you got to be creative. I did a lot of pure bar in my cabin and Mm. (laughs) there was very literally only enough room for me to do a plank. 
Like if I planked in the middle of our room, then my roommate couldn't leave. Like she had to stay in her bed. <laughs> I was like, hey girl, I got to do this 90 second plank. <laughs> so don't move. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, my oh my god, gosh. dude, we could talk forever about cruise ships and like, oh my god, I feel like we should have like a specific episode dedicated completely to cruise ships because there's just so much information, so much. I have I mean, wild stories. I have to come back for that. Oh <laughs> god, we gotta have you Please. again. Yes, it sounds thing. really similar to even just being on tour. Like when I when I yeah. did my touring you know it, it was very similar like on the road we had limited resources we had bad wi-fi you know we would spend our off time i mean we were spending our off time too like traveling but mm. um but yeah a lot of it was just like okay i guess i'll listen to this podcast or read or you know um mm. so i was just trying to figure out what to do with with the time that we had and do we want to socialize or not are we over socialized or do we need space you know mm. what, what do we need yeah. so always a um, balance I know. Mm. So I want to move on, but um, we could talk about this all day. Um, <laughs> but I did want to ask you what what is your relation between dance and mental illness? I would love to hear your take on that. I was truly thinking about this before we even started. Um, I think that a lot of performers I don't want to say most but in a lot of my experience um, especially in school most of the people that I was dancing beside myself included came to dance because like that is what that is what we needed that was our way to express ourselves that was our place to be well and to be whole um, so I think it has like a very, like almost like a refuge quality while also like contributing to the deterioration of your mental health because of your constant comparison, your con like you're constantly being judged by your professors, by yourself, by your peers. And like, not all of that is negative. Like not all of it is like, I'm like rudely judging you a lot of it is like I have to look at you and make judgments on your abilities and on your progress but to be looked at our whole lives all the time makes you incredibly aware of like your actions your thoughts like your appearance at all times and I think that it makes it really hard to function in real life when you feel like everybody's eyes are on you at all times and because you are a performer you are expected to perform in every situation that you are in at all times like I can't tell you how many times I've been at a party or at a dinner or with my family and they're like oh you're a dancer like can you dance for us like yes I didn't like dance monkey dance or sing yeah. dancing monkey oh sing like I always get that question yeah so frustrating. Very annoying. It's just like, I would never ask you to practice law at dinner. Like, I'm not asking you to account <laughs> at coffee. Why would you ask me to dance? That's so That's, funny. Just That's so weird. When I was little, well, I actually teacher, teach me hated something. it. <laughs> right? And they, people no do that to comedians, that. too. They're like, tell a joke. And it's like, that's not what I do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you pay me first? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many things, like, 
that just like irks me so much. And it has from the second that I started dancing, I would not do it for my friends and family. One, because I was shy. But then I realized that like, if I just held out that they would start offering me money to do it. So I guess my professional career probably started at age five. Because <laughs> they were like, will you dance? Will you dance? And I was like, no, no. And they're like, will you dance for $5? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, how about 10? And I'd be like, 15? Okay, here's a plie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> here's a plie. <laughs> oh, like my nothing God. good, just a plie. Yeah, that's all you get. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love what you said about like the juxtaposition of dancing to free your spirit and like as a refuge but also like it can sometimes cause the pain too. Yeah. And I just, I love that you said both of those things because it is like a balance. It is um, such a, like a give and take energy between um, ourselves. And I also love what you said about like, you're never able to completely turn off. Like, especially since we both work or worked for Disney Mm -hmm. and it's, you always feel like you're on. And working on a cruise ship as well. You're always at your workplace. So you don't feel like you can ever shut off completely. Oh, yeah. And just like, there's just like a laundry list of like implications that come with that. Whether it's like, I have a hard time going in public without makeup on because I have to wear so much makeup all the time that my face to me without makeup on is not attractive because I've seen it for so much of my life caked in eyeshadow, super thick eyeliner and giant false lashes that I'm like, Mm. I look dead without this, which in like reality, I just look like a very exaggerated version of myself when I could just like look like myself. It just becomes very hard to separate who you are and what you do because you're doing it from your formative years to be able to do it as a profession that we're not taught as kids that like this isn't personal that like you didn't get this trophy because like this specific performance wasn't great not because you weren't great yeah because like when people compliment you they don't say like wow your performance was so good they say wow you were so good so you become intertwined with this this ability and this person that may not necessarily be who you actually are. And then when you're put in a professional setting and you are judged all the time, which you will be at work, you will be in auditions. It becomes very hard for you to not feel like you as a person are not good enough, regardless of your abilities, because it's truly so subjective. Like you might've been the best person in the room, but you weren't a redhead and they needed a redhead. Like that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. That's what they needed that day. But like, we don't enforce that from two years old when you put you in like a first beginning ballet class. We're not saying like, this is separate from you. We're training dancers to become dancers as their whole and not as what they do. Have, um, what have you done to kind of work through that and maybe break away from that mentality? Like, do you think that this is stuff that we should be taught as young dancers, you know, a a little bit more balanced because I, from my experience too, it was very much just about like technique and like performing, but not about any other aspect of, of personal growth or, you know, mental health or taking care of your physical body in a healthy way. So 
you know, what I'm trying to say is how have you worked through that? And what do you think maybe could change about how we learn in this field? I think like the language around how we speak to our dancers um, as teachers and mentors is really important. I think like separating who you are and what you do is very important. And it, it very much kind of feels impossible to do that because so much of like choreography and like emotional performances is like bearing your soul on stage. So it, it's definitely like a very fine line to walk, but I think like the importance of going to therapy or finding like therapeutic resources and like encouraging that from a really young age and encourage like positive reinforcement from like your peers as well as your teachers. Like a lot of teachers, I feel like we take so much time to like look at what's wrong, to fix it, to better that dancer that we don't always take into consideration that like, how many times have I corrected this person and how many compliments have I given them today? Because like, not that you should just be like blowing smoke up people's butts, but like, as a teacher, like you are a role model and like the people that have influenced my life the most have been my dance instructors and my dance professors because they were in a position that I wanted to be in and they were the people that I was spending the majority of my time with. And like, sometimes I just needed them to be human and to realize that I was also human and I needed them as a person and not as a dancer. And I think my first two years of college, that's why I really, really struggled because there was this distance between me and my professors. And growing up, you don't have that distance for the most part that I experienced with your teachers. Like I had a personal relationship with all of my dance teachers. And then I got to college and it was like this distant thing. Like I couldn't really talk to you about what was going on with my life or with my body, which could be affecting my performance. And I really struggled. And I ended up having to like leave that school for a various laundry list of reasons. But when I transferred, I remember like one of the first days that I just really struggled. My professor was like, you guys keep dancing. Abby, come here. Took me outside of class and was like, you're okay. You don't have to act this way here. We want you for how you are right now. You don't have to be something else. This is good enough. Wow. And like. What a weight on that, your shoulders like rocked my world. I was like crying hysterically. I feel like crying right now talking about it, but like it's those professors like saw me as a person. And while like also a fine line of like, don't get overly involved, but like they saw me as a human on this journey and dance was a part of that. Not that like I was a dancer only on this journey. And like they could take into consideration all of the other things that were happening that could contribute to my performance or my inability to show up that day my best, but also could like uplift me in those times when I really needed it, when it could have been very make or break. So I think just like being considerate of the people that you are, that you are coaching and how you are speaking to them about what needs to change and being clear that like, this is an objective thing that you need to change. You don't need to change who you are. You need to change like this technical aspect of your performance or just being more objective, I think would be very beneficial. 
I think educators in general, whether you're at a school and you're a teacher or you're, you know, teaching a specific skill such as dance or any sort of artistic um, forum, I think what you said is, is so true. Like we don't address enough um, the importance of connecting on a human level. And I think the best educators that we connect with the most are the people that do that and who accept like who you are as opposed to connecting your accomplishments and connecting like what you do with who you are and your worthiness. I think it's so important to separate the two and every educator, no matter what they're teaching, if you're teaching a young person or, or affecting them in that way, it's always important to make that consideration. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. So, um, we are reading, we ask Abby some questions before, um, this recording. So, um, Danny and I kind of, uh, went through those a little bit and you spoke a little bit about, um, you do a lot of ensemble work, a lot of, um, not as many like solos and features, which I think is, is so important to hear on this, uh, specific episode in this podcast, because, that's the majority of the performing industry. Like these are the people that drive us and these are the people that should also be considered as opposed to the people that just are featured. And, and I think it affects our self-worth and, and who we are uh, and how we think of ourselves as successful. So I'd love to hear your opinion on like what drives you to keep performing and, and keep moving forward when you necessarily haven't had as many like features or solos. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, I think one for me, I'm not a soloist at heart. So that really changes things for me. Like I loved being able to have the creativity of like performing what I wanted to perform growing up doing solos, but like I love to dance with people because I love feeling the energy of a person next to me, like doing some like crazy, amazing choreography and us being able to share that moment. Like that's what really gets me going. Um, I think that you really have to like align yourself with understanding that like you can always be seen and because you're not the person in the lift, because you're not the person that's doing the two second, like Bama to your forehead, like, layout like dead center like not everybody is watching that girl and your performance is equally as important and your energy is equally as important no matter where you are and like what you're doing and those times are great like when you get them like enjoy them when you have them but in reality they are few and far between you would not watch a show with two people the whole time like I can yes. guarantee you, you would not watch the same two people for 45 minutes, do a series of numbers. Also, they would be super tired. They would be nasty and they'd probably be laying all of their costumes because they wouldn't have time for a costume change. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't be great. Like the ensemble like makes the show, the energy of watching multiple people in sync doing amazing choreography together is what people love. It's like when people get hype, is when people on stage are hyped together. Um, and you just like, that's like, that's what you're going to be doing. So if you're like not the soloist all the time, 
great get used to it because like there's not I'm not performing at Disney doing a solo by myself all the time mind you there's like only duets there's not even like solos unless you're a singer I get my like two seconds to be in this lift I hold my cute pose everyone looks at me and then I get down and I get to dance with all my friends and like (laughs) the recognition is beautiful and I loved it and I'm not going to tell you I didn't sob the first time I went out in that lift and also (laughs) miss my cue Uh, (laughs) just like me staring into the light for far too long Um, (laughs) feeling your oats (laughs) yeah just crying on stage was great Um, but it's, it's just, like, if you think of yourself as a part of this collective energy and collective performance, you will do your best and you will encourage everyone around you to be their best for you and for the audience. And that is where you're going to make your money. And that's where you're going to make a huge impact. And, like, yeah, someone's going to notice you in that solo and that's going to be a beautiful time. But, like, you have to enjoy the ensemble time because that's where you will spend 99% of your time and that's okay. Make it worthwhile. If you're going to be in the ensemble, be in the ensemble and be the one that was so good that nobody took your eyes, their eyes off of you. And then you've done your job. Like even if it's just one person, you've done your job. I don't know about you, Danny, but I think the ensemble work is some of the most fun work I've ever done like I I love being featured but I I think I love ensemble work way more less expectations like just way more fun oh yeah 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 I love also like no go ahead (laughs) we love interrupting each other don't we (laughs) (laughs) yes I was gonna say like when you're in the ensemble and you're like about to die like for me it's like as I'm like running around the stage in the middle of Lion King at the very end and I'm like heavy breathing and I like make eye contact with someone that's like passing me and they're like you can do it you can do it like so those good. are the best moments when you get to like connect with other people if you're off doing a solo you don't often get that chance yeah or they like yeah. make a face at you or like something oh, it's the best. I, I there's a few things I love that you said I I love how you said that basically everyone is of equal importance you know whatever role you are um, you love getting to dance with your friends. I think that's that's my favorite part of any kind of like ensemble or group performance. It's we connect on a deeper level than mm-hmm. you even know is possible because you're just connected in this unique way where you're, like you said, like feeling each other's um, movements and energy and bodies. And it just brings about like this cool connection. And I love that. Um, and then... I, it sounds like kind of what drove you is just you accepted that part of yourself and you love that part of yourself. And then, so there wasn't maybe, I mean, I'm sure maybe there was a time when you did compare yourself, but it sounds like you really owned that part of yourself. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. I think that I struggle with like performing while under pressure which is hilarious because we're always under pressure (laughs) but I I feel supported dancing next to other people um and I just have leaned into that and like even in auditions I try to be like aware of who is with me because I I want them to feel that comfort too even in like an audition scenario when I don't know these people at all I'm the first person to be like hi I'm Abby like I'm gonna be right next to you like we got this let's go like 
because I love that if I feel good and you feel good, we're both going to perform well. And if they want you great, if they want me great, maybe they'll take both of us. Yes. I love this like giving energy that you have, not only uh, with people that you love and know and that you're in a show with, but with people that you don't even know. You're just like, well, we're doing this together, so we might as well love each other and, and get on with it and just rock it. I love that. Yeah. The other thing that I really liked when um, we were reading through kind of your um, your pre pre-interview questions. <laughs> Um, I liked what you said about um, the expectations now in the industry and how there's a lot of pressure to be this, um, I'm going to say the word. We practiced. We practice. Oh, no. Virtuosic. Yes. 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 You crushed it. You crushed it. I was so nervous to say that word. Okay. But we did it. Um, <laughs> but there's such an expectation and a pressure to be that. Um and then if you're not that, it's like, where do I fit in? And what's, what's the, um, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess, you know, I think we see that, like we see these shows, like, so you think you can dance and like you said, like the kicking of the bot ma, like, you know, you just, you hear and see all these cool tricks. And then, you know, I think there's also a place for different kind of movement that maybe isn't as, um, we're not as socially aware, you know? Um, and I guess, uh, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> and like the it. artistic side of dance <laughs> versus like the trick side, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to word I that think question, that... but I'm really interested in what you have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of it has come out of like, to be like perfectly honest, like envy. Like I've never been incredibly flexible. Um, where I trained growing up, we just like weren't very tricky. We didn't do all kinds of like crazy things. When I went to college, that was like made very clear to me that it's not necessary because um, you won't be doing that in your professional career generally. Um, I think that it's hard because the younger generation is watching World of Dance. They're watching So You Think You Can Dance and like the bigger the tricks, the more like shock value there is for the general public but what the general public doesn't understand is like you can't be doing like double fans in the air down the middle of main street at disney like you can't be doing like back handsprings for like 45 minute shows four times a day like that like those kind of things are not sustainable and i feel like these shows are great and the people that are are doing those things are literally amazing. Like they're superhumans to be able to combine the ability of like gymnasts with the artistry of dance. But I think a lot of times because we are in such a consumer world that the shock factor is becoming more important than artistry and connection. And like the younger generation is gonna keep pushing for that shock factor. And we don't know what physical repercussions that's going to come about. When I see like a seven-year-old with her right leg laying across the back of her left shoulder, my first thought is like, what is her body going to feel like when she's 25? Because Also, can my, she do that at age 25? Like you lose, yeah. your body changes, and then all of a sudden you are upset that you can't do that anymore. For sure. But also like 
in that time frame when we're like training these kids, you, their bodies are going through changes like foundationally and like what happens to them then will affect them for the rest of their lives. Like not really the same, but like I had a growth spurt when I was like 10 and the alignment of my tendon grew out of a line with my bones. And then I like forever had knee problems. And now my IT band still will pop out of place randomly when sitting and cause like my knees to do all kinds of weird stuff that like we can try to correct now, but there's nothing that we can do about it. And that was like a natural, like I just happened to grow that much. So like these kids are intentionally doing it and we don't know. It hasn't been long enough for us to be able to build exercises to like maintain that or protect them in the long run and like how how long of a career do you want to have you know like we're pushing for these like bigger more impressive things but like what does that mean for like the length of your career and for your quality of life later on we just like don't really know yet and I don't think that it's the safest or most responsible thing to be doing for children I'm sure that's not like a popular opinion but I mean, just like when you put a kid in point shoes too early, like while their bones are still growing and their muscles are still developing, like you can do real damage that we don't take into consideration. I think also that people just don't get that you're putting so much emphasis on this in the competition world, in the studio world. And then these kids that want to go out and get jobs have now focused so much on this one area that may not be applicable to their actual career. I perform in all three parks in Orlando. It's the most parks in like one place ever, period. I do a good chunk of the shows there and I can tell you that I rarely ever kick my face, ever. (laughs) In fact, I am not allowed to kick past a certain height. Uh, So like I spent my whole life trying to like maintain this technique and get this so that I could not use a lot of the skills that I have, which is safe. It's safe for me to not be doing these things because we do five shows a day and I can't do that for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, five times a day. It would be horrible on my body. I'm also dancing on concrete. So like there's a lot of factors that come into play. And also if I'm not making eye contact with you, if I'm not understanding what the music is about, what the story is, how I'm supposed to relate to the people in the audience, they're not going to come back because they didn't feel anything other than like shock. And like, it's kind of like a drug. Like once you get a taste of this, you're not going to see the same thing again and be equally as impressed from shock. You need something more shocking to be more impressed to want you to see something else versus like connection. Like people will always come back for the way that you made them feel in that moment. And that is sustainable over a lifetime where like putting your right leg on your left shoulder is not. (laughs) I love that you said the word sustainable. That was like the one thing that I was thinking about is a lot of this like extremism in the world of dance and performing and just the arts in general comes from our culture of, um, like instant gratification. And like you said, that extremism and shock factor. Um, I think we're comparing theater and dance to television and like the technology that's advanced so much with TV, we're expecting it in our theaters as well. Um, 
I think the biggest turning point for me was when Spider-Man the musical came out and there were, oh yeah, crazy. And I didn't see it, but I heard so much information about the show and, and the way that it was developed and, and produced. And it was a lot like watching television all of the unrealistic expectations that were put on these performers to compare themselves to something that's not even real. And yes, like theater is about implementing a a futuristic and fantastical or fantastical um, atmosphere. But at the same time, like it's such a, a concept and mindset of in the now instant gratification, as opposed to what you said, which is thinking about the storytelling and thinking about the sustainability of these performers and these shows. Like, why aren't we putting more emphasis on that as opposed to comparing ourselves and, and that shock factor of, um, of TV and media? So I hope that our industry can change to, and I think and I think the world of art is changing in, in little ways where like we are more focused on the storytelling, but I think that is something that we need to be focused on more in this industry. Oh, definitely agreed. Anything you want to say about that, that, Danny? No, I just love everything that you said. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> um, we have one more question before our rapid fire questions. Um, what is the best advice that you've received um, in the performing industry as a dancer. Yeah, that's it. Oh, so much good advice. Yes. Hmm. I feel like I don't even know what I, I previously answered. So here we go, straight off the cuff. Also, Love it's it. probably gonna all be like cliche that you've heard before. Love it. Um, I think one thing that has stuck with me, same favorite professor, She's going to be so proud. (laughs) Um, Love that. But she always emphasized that we have to take care of ourselves because we are the only people that we can take with us when we go out into the world and out to audition. Um, And like, you have to be your own hype man because when you walk into an audition of hundreds of people and there's 75 girls right in front of you that you know for a fact are better than you. Like, you got to be in your head and be like, I'm so good. Like, you just wait. You just <laughs> wait to watch me do this. You're not going to see any of those other girls that are amazing. You're just going to see me. Like, here I am. I'm awesome. Um, but you, like, you need that. I will, I will say a little contradiction that I have with, like, one of my friends that also went to school with me is that, like, you will forever see the same people everywhere you go this world is incredibly small so if you don't have anything nice to say politely smile and walk away yes because people will for sure remember what you said and how you acted um more than your dancing always more than your dancing and you're like forever being watched so just being careful and taking care of yourself um I strive to be a workhorse over a showboat any day. I'm not trying to be the best person in the room. I'm trying to be the best me in the room. And I strive to be as knowledgeable and like on top of it as possible because it doesn't matter if I can do 70,000 turns in two seconds and kick my face. If I don't know what the choreography is and what the blocking is, then it doesn't matter at all because a, you will be wrong, and B, you could be 
potentially injuring someone or causing someone else to be in danger because of your inability to be aware. Um, I didn't learn to take notes well until far too late in my career. And I would highly suggest developing your own like note taking style so you can take that with you. So you can always be on point and having, have like a quick reference of like, I don't remember like where I'm supposed to go or like what happens at this part to be able to like quickly flip through your notes and be like, okay, I'm right here next to so-and-so or track three, whatever it is. Um, I think those things are really important. Such good advice. I love taking notes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She's like the note queen. I am. I try. But it's so funny, like, to see different people's notes because, like, I mean, like you said, it has to make sense to you. It has Mm -hmm. to be your own version of your notes. Um, And just, you know, trying out different methods and seeing what works for you. I know, like, in our shows on the ship even for the like the acting scenes and things like I would have to have a a note card with different scenes and you know um even for understudies like that was so incredibly helpful for me so I think it's so important if you're a person I have always been very easily disoriented um whether it was like turning around to face away from the mirror or like doing the same combination to the side or like whatever for some reason it just really mess with my mind and I I don't even know who told me but somebody was telling me to think about like formations and choreography from a bird's eye so you ah. know what is happening around you and if you know where everybody else goes and there's a hole in the middle chances are that's, that's where you go <laughs> <laughs> but it helped so much I I couldn't imagine being a swing ever before I started working at the parks and in every single role that I do at every single park, you have to know multiple tracks. Like that is the Um, name of the game. And it's however you can figure out to make that make sense to you, you have to do. I have a book and each track gets a different color and it's mm -hmm. all like from up here. And I make little like notes of like, this is the Pumbaa hut. This is where Simba is. (laughs) Oh, how cute. But that's such good advice, like, because, you know, on whether you're on the ship or I know, you know, I feel like I could never be a swing because I get super disoriented as well. Um, but but that is people's niche. That is some people's um, expertise. Yeah. And I think when you can make yourself valuable in that way where you know different tracks and you can just step into a role, like that is very valuable in this industry as opposed to being you know, the most talented person. Oh, for sure. Anything that you can do to just, to know that like, hey, uh, so-and-so called out, like you have to go into this. Are you good? Cool, great. Like that's the type of person you want to be that takes two seconds to like prep themselves and then they're ready for whatever happens. And I, I will say that it happens so frequently that somebody goes out of show, somebody gets injured on parade route, and you have to be able to think like, where am I? Where would like, where were they? How can we fix this right now? I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, there is like a contingency plan for that. But like in Lion King, there is one track that if we go down a person, that person has to become that track. Like, mm-hmm. you have to know what you're doing in that moment so that no one can tell that your world is literally like going crazy 
like in your mind you're like ah but like nobody else knows that you gotta be on your toes yeah for sure (laughs) it's true I love that well Danny do you want to start with our rapid fire questions for you rapid fire time you don't have to answer like in one word or anything like that but okay good um, I mean there is one question that you do oh right well we'll get to that right okay okay Okay. Okay. myself. Okay. question numero uno um two parts what's your favorite role that you've ever had or done as a Disney performer and then what's your dream role Dream role in general, not necessarily Disney. Okay. Um, My favorite role that I have done as a Disney performer is definitely the cheetah in the Festival of the Lion King. She gets lifted and it's beautiful. And cheetahs are my spirit animal. So when I found out that I was learning that track, I definitely like cried a little bit as I was like walking over to get my makeup. Oh my gosh, yes. Amazing. Dream role tough um I this is gonna this is ridiculous um I would really love to be in the Lion King on Broadway but I specifically want to be or the national tour really the tour because I like to travel um I want to be one of the girls in the ensemble that does the grass it's a beautiful scene where they're all wearing these like almost rattan looking hoop skirts and they have these hats that are like a it's like flat and there's grass sticking up and they all walk so their skirts rock in time and then they like scurry their little feet and like make a plane with the grass and like make shapes it's the most stunning thing I've ever seen and like I wouldn't care if that was my only part it obviously would not be but if that was the only thing that I ever did in that show I'd be perfectly happy to be grass oh my Um, god Danny tell her about your experience in making shapes oh um I, I danced with like a shadow dance company. So we had to like make shapes in the shadows and put our body in some crazy positions. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, but it was definitely like a learning curve to figure out, um, you know, what I don't, you know, just everything. Like I didn't, there was a whole language that I didn't know, you know, before. Mm -hmm. So it was cool, but we definitely had to rely on every single person and sticking together and like really nailing your shape. And it had to be, you know, super on point or otherwise you would completely bust. So I guess that's mm-hmm. probably similar to maybe that role, because if you're moving so in sync, you guys have to be, you know, super together. Um, yeah. I've never seen beautiful. The Lion King on Broadway and it's like one of the shows that I've been, I want to see so bad. So you've inspired me even more. Oh my god, I've it's seen it, but phenomenal. I don't remember that part. So I'm gonna have to. It, I haven't seen it on Broadway. I've only seen it on tour. So maybe mm. the choreo is a little different, but it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh. And it was grass. <laughs> and it was grass. It's amazing. You can be whatever you want to be on the stage, and grass is beautiful. Go grass. <laughs> Go grass. Um, okay, next question. What has been your most inspiring? book or podcast you've listened to recently girl I know you have so many so many um wow I listen to like a thousand bajillion podcasts but I will say unlocking us by Brene Brown gold every single episode um most inspiring book though I would definitely say untamed by Glennon Doyle I just finished that so good was it good? So good. 
It's unreal. Like, I literally am, like, begging every woman in my life to read this book. Like, every not like, hey, guys. It. I'm not yeah. like, hey, guys, like, this book is great. I'm like, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> my husband oh, is so my annoyed. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I've seen it everywhere. I just love the cover. The cover. I think it's so beautiful. Um, and it makes me want to read it so bad. I am getting a tattoo inspired by, like, the last line of the prologue. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, don't. But I guess I have to now. Well, no, okay, okay, you can, you can, you can. Yeah, just tell me. Oh, well, it you. takes too much. It takes too much backstory to explain. Um, but it's in reference to a cheetah, which was already my spirit animal. So Meant to be. When just you read me, the book, you will know. Um, well, it's really hard to explain. But basically, she's talking about how this cheetah is, like, look, like imagining a life outside of its enclosure. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's something beyond what it sees. But it's so trained to be happy and content in what it is that it feels like it should just be grateful for what it has instead of imagining a life beyond that. Awesome. And the cheetah's like, the cheetah's like, I guess I must just be crazy. And the author, the cheetah's name is Tabitha. The author says, you're not crazy Tabitha you're a goddamn cheetah and like I will forever live my life I get chills every time I even say it I will forever live my life knowing that I'm a cheetah and that I'm meant to be so much more than society tells me to be oh that is beautiful chills 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 Chills. I feel like the book is unreal I feel like I need to read that just just from that line because I already feel that way, and that book will just validate my feelings about my life. You will literally feel like you need to, like, go burn some stuff down. Like, <laughs> I got so high. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to run That's for true. president just... after I read that book. You are. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Um, okay, next question. In one word, describe the emotion that dance makes you feel. In one word. Whole. <gasps> mm. <gasps> yes. For a second, I thought you meant whole, H-O-L-E, and I didn't get it. <laughs> I don't know why that was my first instinct, my first reaction. Yeah, derp, derp, derp. But then I realized, complete. yeah, yeah. Oh. It was a beautiful answer, and I ruined it. But... <laughs> oh, my God, Danny, We can't take you anywhere. I know. Oh, that was awkward such a mess uh if you want to describe whole in more words you can (laughs) (laughs) um not to go crazy um i am a biracial woman of color and i grew up in one side of that community i only grew up in like i grew up in a white household in a white community and i am half black um so i've always felt like two halves but I don't think that I ever feel whole um, except for when I'm dancing, when the color of my skin doesn't matter, the shape of my body doesn't matter. It's just like the movement and the story that I'm telling. And I just feel complete in that moment. Dance, Tabitha, dance. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) The name of my firstborn. (laughs) I'm going to call you Tabitha from now on. (laughs) Great. Okay. Our last question is, what does on stage with wellness mean to you? Oh, oh. 
that's so hard so much um I think it really just means like showing up for yourself because you can't again sustain you you won't be able to sustain performing or moving if you are not right with yourself um it like what we do will consume you if you don't take care of yourself and I think it has to start with that and like dance will so lovingly take care of you but you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of your craft oh my god you knew yeah. <laughs> that I was talking about did I talk about quote yes so many times <laughs> Oh my God. I'm like a broken record. I'm sorry, but it's so true. What you said is, is so true. true. And it goes yeah. back to the advice that your teacher gave you. Yeah. In a way, you know, work on you. Yes. If you keep your blinders on yourself and stop looking around and caring about what other people think of you, what other people are doing, you will see that there's room for everyone and there is room for what you do specifically. Hmm. Preach. I do this. Preach. Yes. yes. You twerk. You twerk. Mm-mm-mm. Oh my God. Yes. In you your jazz it. class. In my jazz class. <laughs> oh God. Uh, well, Abby, where can our listeners find you? Oh, uh, you can find me eventually at <laughs> Disney's Animal Kingdom. Oh, yes. Physically. Physically, where can we find you? Oh, I didn't know that this was virtually. <laughs> it could be both. It could be both. Okay, well, you I can love find you me said that after. first, though. <laughs> I was like, come to Animal Kingdom. <laughs> I love it. Um, on my way. Can... <laughs> I am on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Abigail Mel Cash. Should I spell that? Yeah. <laughs> The Gail. Okay. So Gail is G-A-I-L, not G-A-I-L-E. So FYI. Yes. Abigail Mel Cash. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Don't add me on Facebook. I won't add you. <laughs> Just follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Being honest. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, a great time on there. There's lots of Disney pics, but more pics of my cast and random crafts. <laughs> I love so that. Fun. I love that. And Abby works as um, a digital educator at the moment for Lululemon. So she spent, she's spending a lot of time at home um, these days, but loving it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if you uh, need any Lululemon wear, feel free to book an appointment with yours truly. We can FaceTime and talk about stretching hair. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Oh, I that's so that. cute that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I have so many new friends. And she was Aww. recently featured on Lululemon's Instagram story. <gasps> well, yes, you were. Yes, you were. No twerking, but she crushed it. Yeah, no. I wish I would have twerked, to be honest. But probably <laughs> would have gotten more views. <laughs> True. Possibly. True. Possibly. Well, I don't know about you, Danny, but I really enjoyed having my Abigail here. Oh, my God. Yes. It was the best. Thank you. It was so nice to meet you. And um, thanks for sharing with us and our listeners. And I know that I'm sure a lot of what you said will resonate with everybody else. Did for me. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if you saw my head, it was like nodding the whole time. And <laughs> Same girl. I was trying not to say yes after everything you said. So it's okay. I did. And I was muted. I was like, yes. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Yeah. I hope you had fun. Yes, for sure. I will be an avid listener. Um, and we should just chat sometime for fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to bring you back for that cruise ship episode we talked about. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll start collecting yes. my stories. <laughs> Can't wait. Hey, creatives. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. We are beyond grateful for your interest and support in our conversation. We hope you'll tune in each week for fresh new content and some inspiration from wherever you are in the world. Whether you're on tour, auditioning, or in your hometown community theater, share this with your cast, friends, and anyone in the industry who could benefit from this podcast. If you like what you hear, write us a review. You can do this through Apple, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Share with us what you liked and what you want to hear more of. This will help us with our mission to support performers with their health and wellness goals. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at On Stage with Wellness. You can follow Danny at Danny Nicole Wellness and Gina at Gina Daniels Coaching. You can find all the links you need in the show notes. Until next time, performers, remember, you know enough, you have enough, and you are enough.